0: to refuge um it's uh, it's interesting that if you noticed um we had two new songs better and nothing else right and uh, uh they were practicing uh, those two songs on Thursday and it's interesting how the lord lines up these songs with exactly what we're going to teach this morning because we're in Acts chapter 3 and, uh, and just the word, I was thinking about the words as we were singing them of uh, the song better. And, uh, <clears throat> and it lines up exactly with what we're covering this morning. The, the title of this morning's message is better than silver and gold acts chapter three. And, uh, so, and, and then on top of that, that other song, nothing else, um, it, it just like, you, you'll see, you'll see. And I don't know which one you're going to close with, but. I'm sure the Spirit will lead you, Ray, in uh, just the right one if you don't have it set already. You know, as you you turn in your Bibles there to Acts chapter 3, I want to just kind of um, put things in proper perspective as we go into this chapter. You see, in Acts chapter 3, we have the story of Peter and John as they were going to the temple to pray at the hour of prayer. They were met by a lame beggar. Who was expecting a handout and were given and was given much more than that, but that just uh kind of uh, set the stage for something a lot greater and uh, something that thousands of people would be challenged with as they were uh, as the gospel was uh, was given to them you see as Jesus walked and he Served and he ministered. Um, there was a there was a time in Matthew chapter twenty three where he confronted the Pharisees and the scribes, and he said in Matthew twenty three verse twenty five, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self indulgence. You blind Pharisee! First clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Verse 27 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncle- uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Even as we come to church on Sunday, on Wednesday, um, come to different events, really, sometimes we get to a place to where perhaps we can identify with the Pharisees and the scribes. Outwardly, I mean, outwardly, we, we look great. We appear. Just as he had referenced them as hypocrites, as whitewashed on the outside, but inside you're full of dead men's bones you know it's like just all dead you see this morning the apostle peter will be addressing thousands of people and what he desired above all is that the dead bones would come alive that they would come to realize that it wasn't about religion or or the burnt offering that just had uh, occurred the afternoon sacrifice had, had just taken place, just before the afternoon prayer. That was unnecessary. They would simply need to come to acknowledge that Jesus was the fulfillment of the sacrifice, that there was no more need for that. That all they needed to do is come to believe and trust in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And by that, their response to how much they've been loved Would be a life that is genuinely desiring of blessing and glorifying the Lord. Because what Peter had to offer that day and what we have to offer this morning is better than silver and gold. Sometimes you come and perhaps your marriages are not in a good place, your relationships with others, your finances, You just lost your job. Your health is is not good. And, And so you come in a way like the lame beggar. Just asking for a handout. Asking for the Lord to give you what you're asking. And he says, I may or may not give you that. But what I do have, I give you. And it's much better than silver and gold. Let's pray. Father. We thank you, Lord, that you do have to offer to us something much better than something earthly. You've offered us through your son, Jesus Christ, salvation. Lord, the forgiveness of our sins. Because the sacrifice has been met. And the work is finished. To atone for. To appease your righteous wrath against sinful men through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The question is for us, do we believe that? And have we truly received that? And how is it that it's expressed in our lives to be genuine? I pray, Father, that we would come to realize this morning that salvation for some have been, has been known. And for others, I pray this morning that today be the, set, the day of salvation that we may truly surrender to you and respond in our lives in a way that reflects that acknowledgement, that trust, that faith, and that belief in the Son of God. We thank you and we praise you and we give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. There's nothing more relieving than to know you have been forgiven of your guilt and its penalty mercy there's nothing more humbling than to know you have been given something you don't deserve grace there's nothing more loving than for someone to have made this possible offering mercy and grace to all who believe and receive through faith in the one who has paid your full price your price in full D.L. moody said this quote the voice of sin is loud but the voice of forgiveness is louder amen We have before us also, I I, want to go to the story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus because I I think this will help us also understand the perspective of this uh, chapter, Acts chapter 3. So hold your place there and go with me to John chapter 12, John chapter 12. John chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard, And having charge of the money bag, he used to help him, himself to what was put into it. And Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial for the poor. You always have with you, but you do not always have me. So here we have the story of Mary, Martha and Lazarus and how it was that Jesus addressed the whole situation. There was Judas Iscariot, who was known to help himself. Uh, out of the treasury, keeping some money for himself. And so he was concerned about the poor. Well, we're going to talk about the poor here in this chapter. Because this is Lazarus who had been raised from the dead. This morning we will see a crippled poor man who will be healed and be made to walk. This is the same Martha that had been rebuked for being busy and not taking the best place at Jesus' feet with Mary. And this is the Christ Jesus who has the power to heal physical infirmities. And yet was being anointed for his burial. You see, Jesus knew that he would be crucified and buried. But he also knew that he would be raised from the grave. You see, although Jesus performed many miracles. Showing that he was the son of God. He was sent to do one thing. And it wasn't to perform all of those other miracles. He was sent to do one thing, and that is die on the cross. To pay for the sins of the world, to make a way of forgiveness and reconciliation to the Father. Through the sacrifice of the Son. And you know, we ask for all these things. And yet the one thing that the Lord is asking us to do is simply believe on Him. To know salvation. John three sixteen and 17 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus can make all things better outwardly. But if it doesn't lead to belief in him and trust in him. Then it's all for nothing. It's all for nothing. It's a temporal relief. And a temporal life of comfort. But if you found your life outside of Christ. Know this. That you've lost it. Thinking you've found it. Because it's an eternal life of condemnation and suffering apart from God. Jesus by his sacrifice offers an eternal pardon from our sins. Something better than silver and gold. His shed blood for you and I. This morning we're learning about the events that took place one afternoon as Peter and John were going to the hour of prayer at the temple in Jerusalem with thousands of others, thousands of others. Peter and John had no idea what was about to happen. But we'll see how Peter exercised his faith and boldly proclaimed the gospel and offered something much better than silver and gold to all of his hearers. And so it is this morning that we will come to understand And be reminded that our salvation is more valuable than anything this world has to offer. We're going to see a healed beggar, a guilty people, and a pardon offered to all. So a healed beggar, let's go to that. In Acts chapter 3 verse 1. As we begin, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. The ninth hour, that is 3 p.m. At what had happened to him. What a a beautiful moment. A healed beggar. It was 3 p.m. And Peter and John were going to the hour of prayer. Which, as I said earlier, followed the afternoon sacrifice. And I found this interesting because Peter and John, they hadn't gone to the afternoon sacrifice. They were barely coming to the temple for the hour of prayer. And I believe they didn't go to the afternoon sacrifice because they knew there was no longer a need for these sacrifices since Jesus and his sacrifice was the perfect sacrifice. The sacrificial system having been fulfilled in Christ. And yet in a few moments, Peter will be telling thousands how they can come to know the forgiveness of their sins through that one sacrifice once and for all. We learn from what we read that there was this crippled man who had been crippled since birth. He's now over 40 years old. And we know that he was over 40 years old, not by this chapter, but by the next chapter in Acts chapter 4, verse 22. The people knew him. And this was a man who was carried and laid daily at the gate of the temple. This uh, was a specific gate. It's the beautiful gate, which is on the eastern wall going into the women's court. The crippled man was not physically able to do anything to provide for himself. And so he begged so that others may help him to survive, so that others may provide for him. Uh, Seeing Peter and John coming toward him, he asked for whatever they could spare. You see, in that day, and especially in Judaism... Giving to the poor was considered an act of righteousness. And so he knew that that just him laying there and asking for alms that they would be compelled to give him something as an act of righteousness. And so he had been sustained for over 40 years by doing this very thing. But he was also known very well by everyone. This was a different day for Peter, though. Peter didn't have silver. He didn't have any gold. In other words, he didn't have any money. He didn't have any money with him. But he did have this. He had faith in the power of Jesus Christ. He had had belief. He had faith in the name. Acts 2.43 says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. When they all came together, After 3,000 people came to salvation, they were breaking bread and fellowshipping and, 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 and being taught the apostles' doctrine. In other words, the word of God, the New Testament as we have it in our hands. It was through the apostles that these wonders and signs were being done. And all was coming upon every soul. And here was an example of it. When Peter addressed this lame beggar asking him to look at them, when Peter exercised faith in Jesus Christ, that he would do this one miracle of healing his legs. Here was an apostle. Apostle is, is the office that has been designated to specific men, not those who claim to be apostles today. There, there, are, there are those who are sent but they don't occupy the office of apostle as the twelve did in the days of Jesus. Jesus assigned them. That was their position. But through this apostle, the apostle Peter, was this beautiful wonder in sign. Because he believed in the name. Peter spoke with faith in the power of the name of Jesus Christ. And Peter acted in faith by extending his hand and raising the man up. And at that very moment, his feet and ankles were made strong and he leapt. He leaped. He stood up. Leap? Leapt? What what is it? No, I'm really asking. It's leapt? All right. Thank you, teacher. (laughs) He jumped up. That's what he did. But can you imagine, okay, here's this man. He's been lame since birth. Have any of you experienced, um, why have you gone through an appendectomy? You have. Laid up for a while. If you've gone through the traditional cut and, you know, surgery like that, you realize that the cutting of your abdominal muscles um, really messes you up. And you realize just how much you use those muscles. Now, when you 've been laid up for any extended time, you realize how quickly your muscles atrophy right they they start breaking down, they weaken Now, can you imagine you haven 't been laid up for two, three, four weeks let's say for instance, and you you realize when you get up that you 're weak and you need some rehabilitation some physical therapy to help you uh, to sometimes, if, if, you're, it's, if it's for an extended period of time, to walk again, to use those muscles well, to, to strengthen the ankles and the feet. Here was this man, crippled from birth. And immediately, the Lord strengthened his feet and his ankles. And he leapt, leaped, jumped. <laughs> truly, Miraculous. The healed man immediately entered into the temple with Peter and John, praising God. Just praising God. He didn't, go, he didn't go anywhere else, he didn't use it for anything else. At that very moment, all that he was interested in doing is praising God. And this man was amazed at what had just happened. And, and please take note that at that very moment he was healed. He acknowledged that God had performed this miracle and he praised God. That's what he was doing. What do we do when we realize that God has done something in our own lives? Are we inclined to do the very same thing? I can't believe I had asked for this. I had, you know, really pursued God in this other area. And now I'm just going to go and I'm going to praise God with everyone. I just want everyone to know just what God has done in my own life. Are we inclined to use it for ourselves? Okay, we'll wait until we get good connection. Hopefully the Holy Spirit gives us connection here. And not Siri. So this man was amazed. He just wanted to praise God. Well, he wasn't the only one amazed. So were the people because they all knew he was the one who daily sat at the beautiful gate asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. A crippled beggar outside the temple was now a leaping man who was filled with gratitude, praising God Inside the temple. As we acknowledge God for what he has done in our own lives. It should draw us. Actually to God. Singing his praises. and, And being a testimony. Of what he's done in our own lives. Not withdrawing for our own benefit. But rather allowing whatever benefit he's given to us. To come in to the fellowship of the brethren. And declare To others what he's done. And let everyone know. Singing his praises. We see a healed beggar. But we also see a guilty people. In verse 11 as we continue. While he clung to Peter and John. All the people utterly astounded. Ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it. He addressed the people. Men of Israel. Why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us? as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life. Whom God raised from the dead, to this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. As Peter and John walked into the temple and towards Solomon's portico, which is to the east of the court of the Gentiles, Word traveled fast. I mean, it traveled extremely fast. That a miracle had just taken place and thousands of amazed people ran to meet Peter and John. They cut him off, you could say, at Solomon's portico or Solomon's porch. So you have the women's court, you have the Gentiles court, and in between you have Solomon's porch. You, you have it there. Because they had just walked a short distance before they were surrounded by many these people were bewildered. They were astonished. They, they, were, they were in shock. They just wanted to come and, and see who, who did this. And at that very moment, as the crowd gathered around, Peter discerned that this was a divine appointment. And the Lord had used this miracle to gather the people for something far greater than the healing of a beggar. It was the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Very easily could Peter have just given the moment over to this man who had just been healed. But he didn't. He was an example of the miracle of what God can do, the power of the Lord. But at that very moment, he wasn't equipped to declare forgiveness, God's grace. And explain the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Peter discerned. This was a time for him as everyone was gathered together. To declare the mercies and grace of God. Several things to note in Peter's sermon. First of all, Peter immediately deflected any thought that it was. Peter or John that had healed this man, not us, had nothing to do with us. They, they possessed no power or piety that could do this. It's, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not so righteous that, you know, the Lord will simply work through me and I have the power. No, it, it had nothing to do with Peter and John. And so he deflected that immediately. That's the first thing that Peter did. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? Not one man. If any one person says, oh, through me, by me, the Lord has anointed me, just those are all red flags. we're, We're not so great. In fact, the word tells us that God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. If if the if the Lord can speak through a donkey, He can speak through me. It's just just an instrument. That's that's what we are. We we are. We should be these willing vessels, but we're not so great. We really aren't. In fact, the apostles were referred to as the scum of the the earth. You know, and that was fine. Because we are marked for, to be lowly just like our Lord. And yet in him we are exalted with him. We have been resurrected to new life. Secondly, Peter referenced and defined the servant of the Lord. made reference to him. Jesus, whom they had just denied, delivered and who died on the cross. They knew it. It was fresh on their minds. This had just taken place. Number three, Peter referenced the servant of the Lord as the author of life. And holy, the holy and righteous one who, after having been crucified, was raised from the dead by God. To this, he said, we are witnesses and there are many witnesses. You guys know what has just taken place. Who were the witnesses of his resurrection? Peter, John, the other apostles and disciples. Peter was making it abundantly clear that Jesus was a servant of the Lord that Isaiah spoke of in Isaiah 42 and Isaiah 52, 13 through 53, 12. In fact, hold your place there and let's go to Isaiah chapter 53. And I want to bring you here for this simple reason. As Peter's speaking, all of these people, they knew they knew the, the the Old Testament well. They knew the Law and the Prophets. They knew the Psalms. They, they, they knew these writings. And, and as Peter was making it known to them, this is whom you crucified. Keep this in mind. I have no doubt that someone from the thousands that were there had to have been thinking about this specific area in Scripture. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned, every one, to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and ye shall bear their iniquities. As you read that and consider what perhaps the Jewish people who were there being addressed by Peter. Considering that perhaps this is what they were thinking about. The servant that was foretold of by this prophet. And Peter said, this one. You delivered Jesus to be cru- crucified. You denied Jesus in the presence of Pilate. You denied the Holy and Righteous One. You The author of life you are guilty of his crucifixion and it's by faith in his name that this crippled man has been healed and can leap and walk today if you thought people were amazed before they have just been brought to a level of astonishment they had never known before Imagine, that, I mean, they just came, they heard this story, they see this man that they had known to be crippled since his birth. He's over 40 years old, he's walking, he, he's standing, he's praising God. And now they're told, this, this one that you have crucified is the Son of God. He is a Holy and Righteous One. He's the author of life. Astonishment. Please understand that faith doesn't come by the witnessing of a miracle. Can I repeat that? Faith doesn't come by the witnessing of a miracle. And yet there are many ministries that emphasize the miracles of healing. If that was the case, then this would be written much different. Faith wouldn't come by hearing, as it says in Romans 10, 17. But faith would come through healing. Because I know many people... Who have been delivered from certain things in their lives and have yet to believe. Cuz listen to this. As it says in Romans 10:17 that faith comes through hearing and hearing what? Oh the word of God. So if God were to heal and do all these miraculous things in your life that actually won't increase your faith. But if it lines up with the word of God and you see him working through that and you realize it's all him. Oh, it's the word of God that increases your faith. Why? Because in him we know it's yes and amen. It's the word of God. These people were in awe. This is what we need to understand. These people were in awe, but they weren't saved. At least not yet. But they had to first know they were guilty in order to know they had to be saved from their condemnation by the only one that could. That could. Do you know that you're guilty of, of Jesus' crucifixion? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, we've lied, we've stolen, we've committed adultery, if not, uh, you know, uh, physically. We've done it with our eyes. It, there's so much that we've done. We've broken God's laws, and to be the breaker of one law, we've broken them all. We've broken them all. Do you realize that that your sin separates you from the Father? See, we have to come to, to the acknowledgment that we are the sinners in need of a Savior. It's only in, unless we get to that point. It's only until we get to that point that we realize that we need to be desperate for God's grace and forgiveness of our sins by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. John fourteen six says. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4.12 says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And John 3.16, of course, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. First, the crippled beggar had fixed his attention on Peter and John, and now the crowd of people fixed their attention on Peter. And, And we're listening to the words he spoke, And they heard this one simple thing. If you can only hear one thing up to this point is. You are guilty. That's it. You are guilty. Would you agree? Would you confess that? How do you plead? Because it wasn't just the Jews that sent Jesus to the cross. Not just the Romans, but rather each and every one of us. We've all fallen short. Jesus died for the sins of the world because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None is righteous, no, not one, it says in Romans 3.10. So a healed beggar, a guilty people, and number three, a pardon offered to all. Verse 17, and now brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance. Notice the gentleness also of the Apostle Peter. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Even though Peter was direct, he was also gentle in his love for the people and desired that they come to repentance. He pointed out that they had acted in ignorance. You you didn't know what you were doing. But what you meant for evil, God meant for good. To fulfill the prophecy of the Messiah. He would come as... Says in Genesis three fifteen, as he crushed the head of the serpent, uh, his heel would be wounded. We have a wounded Savior. Did you know that? He was wounded. He was pierced. He was for our transgressions, for your sins and mine, on the cross. And yet, at that very moment, he crushed the head of the serpent. There's victory. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Joseph to his brothers in Genesis 50, verse 20 says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. There are things in, in our lives that that we, we, we think that it's like this curse. It's like so many problems, right? This and that. And what what others meant for evil, God means for good. It's to strengthen you, to refine you, to purify you, to mature you, to grow you. To transform you into the image that more closely resembles our Lord. Jesus' crucifixion happened just as the prophets had foretold. Jesus is the sacrificial lamb provided by God to appease the righteous wrath of God Toward the sin of man as it was paid in full by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Do you believe? So what do we do? We repent. That's what Peter called him to do. Repent. What does that mean? Does Does it mean, you know, you're sorry for what you've done? It's part of it. You realize that you've sinned. But it just it's not just that it's it's an it's an act of the will. Uh, When you're going one way. And you turn around and start going the other way. That's something that you choose to do. Repentance is a complete turnaround. It's not a 360. It's a 180. All right. It's not going back and no, I'm just kidding. I'm going to keep going the way I was going. No, it's So when you do a 180, you repent and you start going the other way. Instead of running away from Jesus, you run to Jesus. And when I realized that running to Jesus was, was what I ought to do because he just forgave me of all my sins, I, I just wanted to keep going. Just keep going. He's right there. Run to Jesus every single day, every single moment. When you realize that you've somehow turned away from the Lord, repent. That means turn away from that and start running toward Jesus. Because this word repentance is a word of hope. It's not, man, I've given up so much. It's like, oh, what I've given up doesn't match what I've gained. It doesn't even come close. It's not even worth mentioning. It's a word of hope. Turn back refers to a conversion, knowing that you are a new creature in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. He says that your sins may be blotted out. So, repentance, conversion, completely new creatures in Christ, a new heart, new desires, new way of thinking, new perspective. You see things differently. He says if you do that, if you trust in the Lord, if you repent and you're converted, that you're a different creature. Oh, in that very moment, your sins will be blotted out. You see, for them, they, they understood it very well. It gave the idea that the sins that were on paper, let's say written in paper, would be removed as if they were never there. Ink on paper, you could grab a damp cloth and just blot it out. Wipe. It's clean, as if it had never been written. That's, that's the picture that Peter was drawing in their minds. And they understood what Peter was referring to. Psalm 103.12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Peter also spoke of the foretold time uh, of time when Jesus will return, when Israel as a whole repents a time when all things will be restored. So he points to that. But we haven't seen it yet. Israel hasn't repented. They haven't cried out to the Lord Jesus, recognizing him for who he is. And Peter also warned them with the word that was spoken to Moses. Listen to him and believe in what Jesus tells you. If you don't, you will know destruction. To reject Jesus Christ is to remain in your condemnation, remain in your sin, and therefore be eternally condemned by the simple rejection. And Peter made reference to the prophets who may have made reference to the day in which they were in, the day that Abraham was told that, in his offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. You know, through his offering, through his seed, the seed being Jesus Christ, all families, grace, forgiveness of sins, mercy has been extended to all through Jesus Christ. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. And Peter was declaring exactly who Jesus was and proclaiming, the gospel of Jesus Christ, salvation through Him. A pardon has been offered to all, but will they receive the offer? The question for us is, us is will we receive that offer? Have you truly, genuinely repented of your sins? Have you been converted or been transformed with a new heart? Have you received God's salvation by His grace through faith in Jesus Christ? And how does that reflect in your life? Do you have any fruit? That speaks to that. And perhaps today would be the day of salvation for you. I pray if anyone's here who has not simply surrendered to Jesus Christ, understanding that salvation comes through him, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And you ask him for forgiveness. You ask him to be your Lord and Savior. The, the Bible tells us that if we confess Our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In Romans chapter 10. In verse 9 it says. Because if you confess with your mouth. That Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart. That God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes. And is justified. And with the mouth one confesses. And is saved. In verse 13 says this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Will be saved. That was the very option that these people had and you have this morning it's a very same thing so we see a healed beggar a guilty people and a pardon offered to all salvation is offered but it's not always accepted received and believed will you we so often look to god to save us from our problems and and shake our fists at him When something we don't understand happens to us in our lives. You have no idea how many people I've heard. Are angry and bitter toward God. Because of a loved one that died. When they were young. It's because of your ignorance. That you still remain angry. At the God who offers you salvation today. You see every single one of us. Will be faced with issues. Every single one of us will be faced with death at one point, but are you ready for it? God gently and with his kindness draws us him to himself. It's with his love demonstrated on the cross that he calls you and I to salvation. We are looking to walk when we are crippled, made rich, or powerful. We ask for position, but God sent his Son to offer something far greater than anything temporal. He sent his son to offer salvation from eternal condemnation from him. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Do you have eternal life? Do you have salvation? Some need to come back to the Lord. Some have strayed. And others need to come to the Lord today. And ask the worship team to come up. And as they do, I haven't done this in some time, but I'm going to, I feel compelled to do so. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask in, in the time of prayer, with all eyes closed, and I, I want every head bowed, even if you're not praying, you know, just just do so, just out of respect for everyone else. I am going to ask that if you want to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you want to confess to him your sins. You want to repent of your sins and turn to him and ask for, for forgiveness, that you would just slip up your hand during this time of prayer. I'd like to pray for you. If anyone is in a, in a state of uh, you know, being backslidden from turning away from the Lord, and I also ask that you would raise your hand just in confession to the Lord. I just want to come alongside you and pray for you and with you. Describe to the Lord and ask him for forgiveness. He desires to do that very thing, to forgive you of your sins and come alongside you and love on you. Allow him to do that very thing. And then we'll stand and worship together. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, thanking you for for your grace. We thank you for the forgiveness that you've extended to each and every one of us for all eternity through your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that if there's anyone here who has not come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that this morning, this day would be the day of salvation, that at this very moment, Lord, you would not, that they would not allow themselves, Lord, to... To pause for another day. To put off to for another day. A day that's not promised. A surrender to you. That they would cry out to you and ask for forgiveness. That you would be Lord and Savior at this very moment. And you will give them, your word tells us, your word tells us that you will give them a new heart. A whole new perspective. For they will be new creatures in Christ. All of the old will have passed away you will set before them a hope that is eternal and a prize that awaits them in its fullness in your glory and so lord i pray with all eyes closed and all heads bowed. if there's anyone here who would like to receive jesus christ as lord and savior just slip up your hand i'd like to pray for you anyone at all The Lord says that he wishes that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Desires that all may come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Anyone who perhaps is strayed away from the Lord. And you want to repent. You want to ask for forgiveness. You want to run back to the Lord. Slip up your hand. Let me pray for you. We thank you, Lord. For you extend your hand of forgiveness and grace and mercy through Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that we would live lives that reflect gratitude, thankfulness, For the knowledge of salvation through Jesus Christ. that having received salvation, we would live our lives to your glory. Remind us of that often for it would, would sober us up from the ways in which we live. The things that we do that are not of you. Lord, help us to walk on that narrow path and do so with joy. We thank you for the salvation that we have come to know. And we pray this in Jesus name.